Recruiting-ish. Web 3. World-class podcast. Let's get it. Let's go. For topics of discussion, you cannot get from another. Opportunities in Web 3, we got you covered. Meta intro, been dope. Gotta thank you for the love and support that you give it. Keep it coming. We going up in Jazz B's interviews with the crews. Making moves, let's see. It's a brand new world of NFTs. Join in recruiting this podcast. Yes, please. Join in recruiting this podcast. Yes, please. Meta Intro does not give financial advice. Information provided by Meta Intro is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. Always do your own research on the companies that you apply to and the opportunities that you invest in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Recruiting Ish. I am not Alex today, as you can hear and tell. Um, but this is Lacey from Meta Intro. Um, Alex is on a quick uh, vacay from from this episode, but he'll be back in the next one. So I'm just stepping in to have an awesome conversation with Nicholas from Crypto Talent. Welcome. Hi, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So how long have you been in recruitment? Yeah, so um, I started and it was my first job out of college. I got my degree in psychology and then I worked uh, as a technical recruiter with a small startup in the Seattle area. And we would uh, service a lot of Seattle's you know, tech clients like Microsoft and REI and Lululemon. Um, and so from there, I moved up into like business development, so that's like account management with that company. And then ultimately got recruited out of there uh, to go work for Ronstadt Technologies as a strategic account manager to advise the Microsoft account. Folks a lot within Xbox and Azure. Um, so I guess in total now, since I started the company about a couple of years ago, about five years now or so now. Do you like it? I love it. Yeah. I uh, That's one thing that I, I really enjoy is like, how like certain people can come together to do really, really cool things based on like, I really try to approach recruiting from like a psychology standpoint, like really diving into understanding like kind of how fine, like founders work and how hiring managers work. And then also like finding people who can be like culture ads to that, who have like similar, I think, ambitions and passions, but can maybe add things from a different perspective and like why people would work together well or why they wouldn't work together well. I think it's kind of what I geek out on. What is one thing you absolutely hate about recruiting? Well, you know, dealing with people, people are pretty unreliable. Um, so I think that one thing about recruiting is kind of interesting is like, I'm like jaded in all other aspects of my life. Like I'm always like, is this person lying to me right now? Or like, what's your, yeah. what's this person's background type of thing? So I think like taking the recruiting world and the world that I live in and like putting that in a box and not applying it to like my personal life is something that I have to work on at times because I can get pretty analytical of like, social situations that I should just be like there hanging out, not like actively like analyzing whether or not this person's intentions are or whatever. How's the market right now on the uh, employer side? Yeah, the, um, you know, it's been it's been interesting um, ever since, you know, the FTX crash in like November uh, 2022. We saw definitely like a lot of layoffs and people kind of I feel like everybody kind of had a bit of a hangover since then. Um, so I would say for like about three, four months is pretty slow. Um, but I think, you know, with anything, time fixes all wounds and we're starting to see a lot more companies start to come out, come out of the word works, you know, and if innovation gets created in the bear market, we're definitely in, in the heat of the bear market right now. So seeing a lot of hiring going on, seeing a lot of companies being able to successfully fundraise, which is great. And also some companies too, that have been actually able to monetize, which I think is super important. Uh, a lot of companies obviously run on VC dollars. So to see companies be able to monetize is really cool to see. And do you usually work with uh, larger crypto companies or smaller or is it a mix of everything? Yeah, it's a pretty like pretty healthy blend. Um, you know, we work with like founding teams like, you know, that are like in that like three to five employee stage all the way up to like large publicly traded companies. Um, obviously, our services are kind of 
are customized and depend on what our client is. Like with those larger companies, it's more of just like an executive search for like very critical roles uh, for more of our, uh, you know, kind of smaller clients that are just starting out or just founded or just raised capital. It's kind of being more of an integral part of the team. We do like fractional chief of staff services. So where I get to actually be a part of the team, work on like an hourly basis with the team side by side and kind of help create the foundation and framework for their hiring goals on how that like is based on the product roadmap and whatnot. So yeah, it just kind of depends. That's interesting. Uh, how often do you work as a fractional chief of staff? I actually prefer that method. Um, so I, I kind of like put it in place of our, like a lot of re recruiting firms do retain searches, which I, I like the idea of a retained search because it allows us to get guaranteed money up front. However, I mm -hmm. feel like it's extracting value before we add value. So I really uh, like the fractional chief of staff package because it's pretty much like a retained search, except you get me like creating all the job descriptions, being like a main point of contact uh, as like an HR business partner for the whole entire company uh, for, you know, and then eventually we end up like backfilling my role as a part-time and like find somebody that can like kind of take over as like a head of people or a talent acquisition manager or chief of staff actually with that company. And do you fill junior uh, level positions or more senior level positions? Yeah, I think that, you know, Typically, the value that we can add is we don't add as much value at the junior level. I think there's a pretty wide, robust like talent pool available for those junior level hires. So we focus more on like the critical hires, kind of like uh, senior to director level and to executives as well. And what does the recruitment process look like for that? Uh, well, it varies. varies uh, what I would like it to be is different than yeah. what it is sometimes, tell me, tell right? Tell me the ideal <laughs> and then tell me the, the reality. Yeah. So like the, the ideal situation for me would be to do like Ray Dalio's, Ray Dalio's principles, uh, personality test on a founding team. I uh, get a uh, kind of a understanding of all of the, all of the different personalities that exist on, on the kind of core hiring manager team and then go out and roughly have, you know, maybe a thousand inbound applicants plus like 300, um, I would say, you know, candidates that we maybe have identified that could be good fits kind of shrink that pool down to roughly about 50 folks, do 50 interviews uh, from that, get like a top eight to 10 folks, have them also do the personality assessment and kind of match and see how those work. Um, and then from there's line up three calls and have a hire. Uh, and like in a total time of roughly about two weeks, that's like our goal. Our average time to fill is 30 days, but uh, if we could do it in like a two week long sprint, that would be pretty rad. What do you look for in applicants? I know that's a very vague question, and that's very hard to answer based on the, the applicants that you're, you're vetting. But a question that we get from the community all the time is, what skills do I need to be able to land a job in Web3? Very different for various roles, but it's interesting from a recruitment company's perspective. Like If there are um, certain skills that you specifically look for, hard or soft, um, that helps somebody jump to the next level, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one thing that I always look for is like people who are like self-starters, um, have zero to one experience is really important. The Web3 space moves so quickly. And so some people that maybe come from like traditional Web2 companies, they kind of act on a very long product cycle. Uh, whereas like you know, things and features are getting pushed out like every single week when it comes to Web3 in order to stay up with the competition. So we like to see in our candidates that like kind of stand out to me are, are people who have been able to be in that zero one experience and the, you know, greenfield blue sky type of projects that have like successfully gone to market. Um, I also think that Web3 is a beautiful like sandbox to build in. A lot of things are open source. So if like you're a developer, like being active in certain developer communities, if your GitHub has a lot of repositories, that's a really, really good sign, right? Um, and if you're in marketing or sales, like 
putting content out there on Twitter, social media, LinkedIn, things of that kind of nature. Um, I think that like this is the one thing that's beautiful about Web3 is like people are really given the keys to their own success. And like you have the tools to be able to market yourself effectively. Um, and everybody is like really allowed a seat at the table as far as from a voice perspective. And so being able to get out there, sharing your thoughts, sharing your opinions, being active in communities, going to in real life events and all that kind of stuff is, I think, what sets people apart that are like actually passionate about the technologies and the problems it's going to solve. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that we look for. And on the flip side, what would you say is the number one or number two mistake that a job seeker makes when they're applying to a job? Uh, well, I would say that they don't reach out to people individually within the company. Um, you know, as recruiters, they get inbound with hundreds of applicants a day. Um, and so I, I think that people don't necessarily understand how much like the human condition wants to just like help people. Like I, the biggest thing that people want to do is help people. And what I always recommend to job seekers is to connect with literally anybody and everybody in a company that you're targeting and just be, see if they'd be open to have like a cup, you know, a quick conversation about what it's like to work there or working in the industry or brainstorming in any capacity. Maybe you have similar passions that you could find to be able to kind of uh, find some common ground. And you'd be like those kind of conversations, like kind of have that network effect. And I think that's super important for candidates and job seekers to go out is to really put themselves out there and market themselves in ways that you wouldn't maybe traditionally in like a regular, you know, Web2 job. What is the difference between a Web2 resume and a Web3 resume? That's a good question. Uh, Web3, uh, well, it could be an NFT. I know there's a lot, of, a lot of like Web3 NFT resume services out there. Um, I think you guys are actually doing a Web3 wallet at Meta Intro. Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, that could be a, a key difference. I'm just a, kind of the look and feel of a resume. I think that Web3 resumes, they typically have more links. Like everything's open source. So like proof of work is very easily available. It's I think it's a little harder to kind of BS your resume a little bit. Because like if you're like in a Web2, you could kind of go work for some big corporation and maybe not be as involved in a certain project that you said that you were. Whereas Web3, everything's open source, especially like social and like sales and marketing. It's like if you don't have a lot of followers on Twitter, if you're not at least making a noise on Twitter, like or if the companies that you work for were not, you know, making like waves on Twitter or, or different social medias or Discord or Telegram then you're probably not going to have any links to your work. Um, so I think it's like really out in the open, uh, which is cool to see, especially from a recruiter's perspective. Like there's not a lot of closed doors on people's experience. Everything is pretty open. I recently had somebody reach out on LinkedIn and send me their Web3 resume. It was probably the coolest Web3 resume that I've seen, hence me even bringing it up now. Um, are you familiar with Spatial? I'm not, no. It's like a metaverse platform. Uh, like you drop your avatar in and you can build whatever type of space that you want. And so he built a visual version of his resume. So it drops you in as, as a little avatar, you customize it. And then right when it drops you in, the front of the room says like so-and-so's Web3 resume. And you walk through this maze where you go up to each wall, kind of like you would in like Sotheby's on Decentraland. And you see like his experience and you can jump into the experience which will bring you to the github which will bring you to the project that he was working on video references like it was good um, That's so that cool. was probably yeah that was probably the best web3 resume that i've seen i'm just making use of tools like that that are available um and uh making it personal too you know i i like even though that room wasn't made for me it felt very personal 
felt like I was jumping into it. And um, kudos to to that individual for really taking a bizarre step out of the box to building a unique resume. So always curious, like, what other things can people do to make their resume stand out? Because it can be really hard, um, especially right now when, you know, there's so many candidates in the pool, everybody's applying to a job. You just said, you know, uh, companies get hundreds of applicants per position. And, you know, job seekers on the other end are saying, how do I make my resume stand out? Do I make my the, the resume purple? <laughs> do I add my avatar? You know, what are some small things that I can do to set myself apart from the crowd? First off, that's so cool. I've heard a lot of horror stories about the metaverse thing where it's like super clunky and a terrible user experience. So it's cool to hear that that someone's out there has created something where you can actually show proof of work in a way that's exciting, enticing, more personalized. I almost kind of think of it as like a like an like an old MMORPG game like RuneScape or something. Like if you could just like hop into a virtual world instead of like a centralized marketplace, but there's like a job fair, like people would be wearing, you know, some sort of like badges or had an NFT that oh, this certain years of experience verified and solidity development or whatever that would be. It would be really interesting to do that in a virtual way. But yeah, I think you know, in order to separate yourself, like the biggest thing you can do, you can create so much momentum online, but I would just recommend anybody like paying money to go to a conference. Like if you have never been to an, in like an inner life event, you know, maybe something local is there like that you have in, in the city that you live in, attend those like that has the, the ability to have the crazy exponential impact on, I think your, your job search any of you want to go to like consensus or Bitcoin Miami or NFT NYC, like the bigger ones or ETH Denver, you know, thousands of people gather there and most of the people are looking for people to come join the ranks of their company. Um, so I think if you can kind of set yourself apart, just like an in-person is it goes so much further than like a cold DM or a cold email. So if you can get in front of people in real life, it, it speaks volumes. Yeah. We hosted the official job fair for NFT NYC and uh, Miami NFT week. We did like five job fairs over the course of six weeks. It was insane. And if you're listening to this and you've been listening to the episodes in the past, you probably heard me coming in for a little bit of each episode, sharing my horror stories and my war wounds, <laughs> what it's yeah. like to host that the like that many job fairs in that short of time span, um, but meet so many job seekers all at once. And there were some individuals like to what you're saying about going to the conferences um, there were individuals that you could tell really put some thought into what what the goal was, mm -hmm. you know, and how to get there when they go to these conferences. So I saw individuals with like a QR code on the back of their, you know, back of their sleeve or the back of their shirt that links to their resume. You know, people, everybody had, what are those cards called? Like you know, those like- or something like that. Yeah. yeah like a little bit more bizarre, which I found like a little bit jarring, but is normal. You, you know, you'll take a selfie and then posted in telegram you know just to remind that individual of how you met where you met who that individual is and so yeah conferences to what you're saying great way to meet people especially if you go in like ready to rock and roll with your resume with your telegram handle ready you know with the qr ready to scan with your popple you know you can be really successful and we actually ended up hiring somebody from one of the job fairs that we met went to with no intent of hiring but met an individual that had a great skill set, you know, clearly did his diligence on what we were doing before he came to the fair and he wanted a job. And so we we built a role around him, which was great. That's so cool. Yeah, I think intention is, is really important. Just being intentional in general and everything in your life, but just 
when it comes specific to the job seeking thing. Like people can really tell when someone is intentional and they've done their work up front versus like they're just like kind of passing by. And I think that's like the best way to separate yourself is just being intentional in everything you do. And on the flip side, so we've talked a lot about job seekers in in this chat. Let's flip to the employer side. What are some mistakes you're seeing from employers when they go out to recruit in this space? So I often um, joke about this a lot. The user experience in Web3 sucks, um, just as so does the candidate experience. Uh, a lot of mistakes that I see made is people having pretty unorganized talent acquisition processes, whether it be like not having like a very stringent, like con- consistent next steps. It's changes for every single individual. Or when they actually do decide to hire somebody, there's a, not a lot of like onboarding help, like, kind of just like giving it a computer and like, hey, like, let's get to work type of thing. Um, so I think in general, there's the space moves so quickly. And I, I understand how like founders are, are kind of feel strapped for time sometimes. But for whatever reason, talent always falls on the back burner, which I obviously being in the industry that I work in, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Um, so, you know, lack of follow-ups, lack of a consistent timeline or consistent processes in general. And then just not like really being able to have clear time with consistent feedback for every single individual. You would like these, these companies, like they would never treat their customers like that. So it's like, it's always confusing to me on why they would treat like potential candidates like that. So I think that, you know, a lot of times people just like over inundate themselves with resumes and all these different things that they can send themselves and they don't have time to like focus on the people who, you know, matter the most and who are going to be eventually like potentially part of their team. So it is frustrating to see. And also long, lengthy interviews. Like that's the biggest thing. I'm like, we got to like two weeks. Like if we're past two weeks, you're going to have like roughly 50%. At least our data shows that roughly 50% of candidates drop off after two weeks. Um, So like long interview timelines are pretty tough as well. What do you think about rejection emails? Do you have an opinion on what a well-crafted rejection email should look like? Uh, I think that you should uh, talk to less people and have rejection uh, meetings uh, rather than rejection emails. I think that the reason why people do rejection emails is because they're usually trying to just like, almost like cattle call, like just get people in the door, like let's interview like 30 people and then let's pick our top three. Um, Whereas like, I don't think that that's necessarily the best thing. You should just focus on the types of candidates, have a really, really clear definition of who exactly that you want, which is I think the biggest thing. A lot of people start the job or the candidate search without actually understanding what they want. They don't have those conversations. They're not on the line from a uh, leadership perspective on how these people actually add value and how they fit into their ecosystem. So if, if they can kind of have a clear defining markers of what they need, talk to less people, be more intimate with those people, then you're going to have insane amount of referrals, all these different things. Like it really, really helps in that way about how each and, end, each and every individual you take through the process. I think it kind of stands on like your values as a company and th- the talent community in Web3 is very, very small. Like if somebody has a bad experience with a certain employer, everybody's going to know. And that could like lessen your likelihood of finding qualified candidates in the future. Yeah. How awful would that be for a candidate to go to Twitter and start talking about the interview process that they just went through with a company that mistreated them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's uh, I think it's it's really like I mean, I hear it all the time. Like I hear like we've even like decided not to work with certain clients because a candidate of ours was like I had a terrible experience interviewing with them. And I'm like, okay, well. I mean, I could maybe we could help if they're open to it, but it doesn't sound like they might be. Yeah. Do you ever coach companies on how to effectively hire? Yeah. So that's like where the fractional chief of staff um, comes into play. That's like one of my favorite thing to do. That just kind of like those services kind of were born organically 
um, you know, over the last five years of hiring for different teams from a staff augmentation perspective, full time to completely outsource men service arrangements. There's a lot of different moving parts when it comes to hiring based on product roadmap, MVPs, features that needed to be added as well as budget, um, as well as also like time on the team. And so my favorite thing to do is to be able to like work as a fractional team of staff with clients and really like, like have a, somebody like myself fully dedicated to making sure that the foundation of your talent acquisition plans are solidified. They make sense. They're efficient. And they're also like provide an equality of opportunity for everybody involved. And everybody has a great candidate experience through that. That's my favorite thing to do because there's a lot of, there's a lot of need for that. I think in general, especially in web three. I feel like more so last year, companies are getting much better this year from just what I'm seeing in terms of the job descriptions that are going out. But man, last year, it was like you'd read some of these job descriptions and you can clearly tell that the individual that wrote that job description either hasn't made a hire before, it's their first job in Web3, so they don't even know how to properly vet and scout for uh, candidates. And you can just tell by the job description. But I think they're getting a lot better. I think people are learning from their mistakes. I think people are growing. But there's a long way to go just in terms of teaching people how to hire, the importance of hiring well, um, how to hire great candidates, how to let go of great candidates. That that process is really a craft that takes a lot of education. Yeah. And I always urge like candidates to you know, if you're on the fence about certain opportunities, whatever your candidate experience was like through the interview process is probably going to be pretty similar how the day-to-day operations work uh, with any company that you're going to. And I think that a lot of employers don't put enough weight on that. Like if you want to attract really like the, the brightest minds and the top tier talent to your company, every single thing from the people who you choose to partner with from an external agency need to be trusted advisors to your company who can really sell your mission and sell your passion to the talent market. Your internal recruiters need to be able to speak fluently about what your guys' North Star is. Like, wh- What are you trying to do? What are you trying to uh, accomplish? What are the critical missions associated with co- getting to that North Star? And then what are these certain KPIs and metrics that we're going to define to know that, hey, we are reaching the missions, that we're completing these things, and we're actually going in the direction of what we need to go, right? And I think that companies who have that lockdown attract better talent there's so many people that will take an intro call and immediately be like turned off by that call just based on a number of different factors so i think if you put more weight on that i think employers put more weight on that um it will help attract better talent for sure so what are some of the highest paying jobs you're seeing in the space right now yeah uh, well that's another thing too uh, pay is 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 weird in web3 like i would urge people to take less cash and more equity more tokens right like if you're working in this cutting edge industry you know, working hours on end, you should do it for the upside, not for necessarily cash in your hand every single month. So um, it, it just depends, right? Like there's, I think that gone are the days in the last bull market where we were competing with big tech on trying to like have like $300,000 salaries for engineers and things of that kind of nature. It happened a lot. And like, look what happened. We ended up having a huge massive layoffs because people weren't able to like, you know, companies weren't able to deal with that burn rate. Yeah, I think that's a complex question. Definitely product and engineering um, have high, high, high salaries. I just think in general, it's pretty comparable with Web2 from what I've seen, like working previously with like Microsoft and Google and Facebook, you see similar like base salaries, maybe potentially a little bit less, but they're always going to be compensated more with upside, whether that be, you know, 50 to 75 basis points of equity um, or, you know, certain token allocations, depending on what kind of company you're going to work for. But I urge all candidates, like, 
you should be heavily invested into the companies that you're working for because one that means that you are aligned with the the north star of that company and so you should like be passionate about solving that problem and and if you do solve that problem you should be rewarded greatly for it with equity uh, people who are taking like high cash salaries sometimes i question their ethics of like why they're really in the space are you coming to get into web3 to get rich quick because you heard it was you know a bunch of transfer of wealth are you here because you're really passionate about what the technology can do to provide a more equitable future for society um, and if that's the case then take the upside because if you actually you know do what you're intending to do then you'll be compensated heavily in the future sure what about benefits yeah that's another rabbit hole oh my gosh there's there's some companies that are super great some are like Hey, we'll throw you on a 1099, pay you whatever, and let you take care of yourself type of thing. Uh, again, I think in general, there needs to be more professionalism in Web3 on both the candidate side as well as the employer side. And a part of that is being able to take care of people. Like that's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. People need to be able to feel comfortable with where they're at. And the employers that provide the best benefits on par with traditional industries are going to advance the space and people will come to work with them, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think of any amazing benefits that I've recently seen. I wrote a Twitter thread on this once where I took like 50 different job descriptions from different companies and looked at the benefits to see if there was anything that stood out. Um, and there was nothing like insanely different than maybe some of the, the bigger tech companies like dog sitting services and, you know, your Equinox membership paid and those types of things that are a little bit more over the top I did see. Um, but for the most part, I felt like a lot of things were standard health benefits, PTO, you know, paternal leave, uh, maternal leave, all of that good stuff. But um, it was a range for sure. Yeah, I, was, I think the biggest benefit to Web3, like I mentioned earlier, is just like equity allocation. That's that is that is going to pay if, you know, if you are right in the problems that you are solving, you actually add value to this ecosystem into the world, then you'll be compensated way beyond any health benefits could ever give you or anything like that. So. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, it's a good vetting point for each people too, because like people are not willing to take the uh, the equity. Maybe they're just not as good a fit or passionate about those problems, right? But I think that's interesting about Web3. We can have, there's a lot of, it's the most passionate group of people that I've ever worked around in my whole entire life. There's so much passion. And I think that uh, that is the main, like that is what moves the needle is passion ultimately. Um, and last big question for you. Tell me about what open roles you're hiring for right now. Yeah. So uh, right now, it's actually a very tough search. We're looking for some senior cryptographic engineers to come join like a, uh, a really, really interesting company that's in like deep, deep tech state um, as far as uh, zero knowledge proofs and ZK snarks and things of that nature, as well as an FPGA engineer. Um, a really incredible company to work for, recently funded and absolutely genius like executive team. Uh, I feel like I'm learning from them every single day that I get the chance to speak to them. Uh, but yeah, we have that. We also have a few front-end engineering roles open, some back-end smart contract engineers, as well as um, a few head of growth roles for um, a social media graph protocol, uh, as well as uh, one partnerships lead for a new company that's kind of in stealth as well. So kind of a, a pretty wider range. We we typically hire like most of our roles across product and engineering, but we do sales, operations, uh, compliance, and legal as well. And uh, if somebody's interested in learning more about those roles, where should they go? Yeah, CryptoTalent.com, uh, Talent Crypto on Twitter. Uh, I'm StrangeViews15 on Twitter, Nicholas Strange on LinkedIn. I'm like doxed everywhere, so you could find me literally everywhere. I'm Crypto Cowboy on Discord. I'm Crypto Recruiter on Telegram. Uh, yeah, anywhere that you can find Crypto Talent, uh, either myself or one of my colleagues would be able to get in touch with you. 
as well as if you're just interested in, we provide free professional development services and career coaching services to the talent market. One of the things that we want to do is to add value to the talent market before we extract value. So I know we know that the Web3 job market is very muddy and things are undefined. And for a job seeker, that can be really tough. Um, and so we hire people every single day. That's what we do. And we see what's been successful. And so if people are interested in having conversations with myself or any of my founders, we've been more than happy to do like, you know, a 15 minute, 30 minute brainstorming session, just to point you in the right direction on how you can elevate your career and stand out amongst other applicants. That's awesome. Well, we'll drop the links below. Nicholas, thank you so much for coming on today's episode of Recruiting-ish. And next week, if you're listening, uh, we have some awesome guests as well. Alex will be back on the show with Brad. And until next time, make sure to hit the like and subscribe and all of the good stuff. Um, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.